Okay, welcome everybody. Welcome. Uh, my name is Bob Ordeman, and this is my wife Libby, and we're from Brownsville, Texas. We pastor an ark church in Brownsville, Texas. Yeah, you can give it up for Brownsville, Texas. Go ahead and do that. It's all right. I'm not, I'm not too proud. <laughs> uh, that's right on the border of Mexico. Actually, we have a, con a main congregation in Brownsville and two campuses, and our south campus is actually in Matamoros, Mexico. So it's a unique part of the world. Uh, I joined ARC back in 2009 after spending a day at Billy Hornsby's house and eating. And then we ate some more and ate some more. If you know Billy, that's what he likes to do the most. <laughs> I it was always funny because Billy would, his, his tweets were about food. And he'd, he'd talk about food and his pictures about food. But anyway, after spending a day there, I said, I want to be a part of ARC. This is the tribe I want to be a part of. And, and so um, we've been there ever since then. And I want my wife just to say hello and tell her what she does there in Brownsville. <laughs> um, hello, I'm Pastor Bob's wife. I taught high school for 20 years, and then I quit that because it felt like the Lord told me to come and help my husband. And I've been like the comptroller over finances and HR ever since then. That's been 17 years. So we have a church that grew exponentially once I quit my other job. <laughs> And so we're really blessed. We live in Brownsville, and all of our kids have been married there and moved out. And two of them have recently come home, so that's a big joy for us. And so I have grandkids in town. Hooray. <laughs> all right. All right, well, uh, we're really glad you're here for this Building a Legacy team. Uh, uh, Lee Domey is going to speak to you in just a minute. He's written a book that was a real impact to us. It was this, Pearls of the King. And I, I thought... Maybe you haven't seen this before, but some people have the Romans 12 gift of giving. That means they know how to generate capital, and they strategically want to give it away in the kingdom and help others do that. And really what he does is help church leaders and marketplace leaders connect and see, oh, this is how God made me, and this is how I can move the kingdom forward. It's going to be a great session. I think you're really going to like it. Uh, at the end of this time, he's going to have a Q&A. So if you're thinking of a question that you'd like to ask, just hold it and he'll, he'll tell you to raise your hand or something like that and point, out, point you out and somebody will bring a microphone to you and let you uh, ask that question. Okay, so Lee, why don't you come? Everybody give him a real warm welcome, would you? Really good man here. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. Tell you what, wasn't that uh, morning very rich? That was awesome, man. I tell you what, if uh, people didn't know who Daniel Floyd was, they do now. And uh, what a gift to the body of Christ. Um, I've got a little bit of energy, and uh, so for me to sit down just ain't going to happen. And, uh, but I'm so glad that you guys are here. We're going to have a fun time together. I'm going to spend probably the first 20, 25 minutes really doing a little bit of uh, teaching, and then what we're going to do is we're going to open up the second half of it to uh, Q&A, because we want you to leave here not with some theoretical kind of, okay, that's kind of still out there. We want you to leave here with at least one or two steps that you can take that's going to have an immediate impact on your church, and, uh, and we think kind of creating a legacy team, or some churches call it kingdom builders, others call it vision partners. It's all synonymous. Don't get caught up in the actual name. At Highlands, we call it legacy team. Um, and we're going to get into one, how to create one. But I want to give you kind of some, uh, some highlights or really some nuggets to kind of set the tone for our time together. Before I do that, though, I wanted to... Uh, introduce to you guys the most special person to me in the world is my wife Laura. We've been married almost 29 years and she is so hot and beautiful and amazing and I love you and uh, why don't you wave honey a little bit to everybody and uh, but pe pe people said well what was your secret in business and I got my business partner in here too who was the CFO and and he'll agree with this my secret weapon in business was my wife because she was able to see things that I couldn't see. She was the, she was the one that kind of helped us stay out of the ditch. Because I thought everything looked great. Go seize the hill. Let's go take it. And he's like, yeah, but we'll be bankrupt in six months. And then, you know, and then I had a praying wife who would say, you know what? You may need to slow down a little bit. Stop believing your own press releases. And Come on. 
and, uh, and let's seek God on this. So she just got a, she's an amazing gift. I call it the fullness of oneness, and it's operating in the fullness of with your wife. And so building a legacy team, building a great ministry, building uh, your business people is going to correlate directly to the relationship you have with your spouse. You will never, ever, ever achieve any level of really impacting or building a successful legacy team if that relationship is out of order, whether you're a business person or a pastor. And so it's really, really important. One thing I heard uh, just recently that one of my first exercises when ARC is over is I heard a pastor say this. He said, you know, my whole life and my whole ministry for 30-something years was all about my dream. And then God convicted me to ask my wife, what about her dream? What about her dream? And so, man, that just really hit me between the eyes. My wife has been so faithful in supporting what God has called us to do. But then I've kind of been that front person. And then God showed her a picture. And I want to share this because I think it's so important about really better together. That's kind of the whole theme of this thing or the whole kind of the, the, for the conference is God showed her a picture of a boat. And I was on the bow of that boat pointing, giving direction. But she was at the rudder. She was at the rudder. And I think that's a real powerful picture of fullness of oneness operating together. And so today we're going to talk about how to start a legacy team. And then what I think more importantly is how to sustain one. Because starting something, what it takes to start, it's not the same thing that it'll take to sustain it. And you need to understand those points. You're going to hit glass ceilings to where you're sitting there trying to figure this thing out saying, okay, why can't we grow anymore? Why can't we have more resources? Why can't we? We just need our business people to give. And I've, one pastor asked me, he says, would you please come to our church and help fix my business people? And I said, pastor, I said, we're going to start right with you first. Because really, that's the wrong way to look at this. There ain't nothing wrong with your business people. They're funding a lot of vision outside your church that you don't even know about. And so when we get them in the right place, you ever heard, like in Good to Great, these great leadership books, the right seat on the bus? We have to get them in the right lane so that they can fulfill what God created them for. And it's not about money. Money is a byproduct of getting someone with a spiritual gift of generosity to help come alongside you to accelerate the vision of your church. And so we'll dive into that. Let me give you a couple points. One is 67% of all giving is done outside the church in America. 67%. That's two-thirds of philanthropy. That's two-thirds of charitable contributions don't even happen. So two-thirds of the giving we don't even see as the body of Christ. It's just noble philanthropy. If the local church is going to be the hope of the world, that has to change. And we're seeing it change at a very rapid rate through the body of Christ. Being a part of ARC, you know, and we have a Church of the Highlands where we serve grow churches and try to help them break barriers. Well, we're seeing these churches, their business people come out of, I would even call it obscurity. And God's placing something supernaturally on them that's saying, you know what, I want more. What I've been doing and what I'm a part of is not good enough. There's something missing in my life. I'm trying to put my finger on it. Somebody even may call it a midlife crisis. I don't call it that. They've never been connected to kingdom purpose. They're still searching. You with me? And so they're still searching, trying to find. They're searching, trying to figure this thing out. And if they don't figure it out, they're going to do tremendous damage to their family, their health. They're going to self-sabotage. And so having a legacy team really preserves those people that have a gift of giving in your church in a healthy way because it's going to answer the missing components that they're searching for. And this is the problem. Business people don't ever tell their pastor what they're fully thinking. So you, what you think is the full context is not the full context. Because what happens is a pastor speaks one way and a business person speaks in another way, but the business person's going to be that kind of person that's just going to kind of nod and say, well, my pastor's different, so even though I don't fully understand, I know he loves God and he loves me and he loves our church, and they're a wonderful couple. I'm just going to kind of nod, and I'm going to give a little money to the church, and I'm going to check off all my boxes, but I'm still unfulfilled. 
And so when you see people set up a lot of family foundations and do all this amazing philanthropy, when Warren Buffett gave the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation the largest gift ever of anything, ever, was $41 billion. That was Warren Buffett's legacy. That was everything that Berkshire Hathaway, his company, that's the culmination of this guru on Wall Street's life. Why did he entrust it to a foundation that he didn't control? Think about that for a second. I kind of got mad. I kind of got self-righteous a little bit. I'm like, man, why can't we see God, a guy like that give a local church $100 million or a billion? Or, well, I've never heard of that kind of a gift. I've heard of $10 million, but I've never heard of that size gift. And it was like the Holy Spirit just meant, says they gave to the Gates Foundation because they could handle it. They gave to the Gates Foundation because there was a spirit of excellence on that foundation. But if you read the 990, which is the return for nonprofits, you'll see that every single thing they're giving to is maybe noble in some extent. You could have an argument for that, but yet none of it is kingdom. In other words, it's not going to survive. It's not going to show up in heaven. And really, everything that we want to give to is going to be in Jesus' name. Well, who's the best delivery engine in Jesus' name, it's the local church. And so please get some of that context. And then, you know, God's model's not broken. Another statistic is a book I'm about to release coming up called Stay in Your Lane. And in that book, we did some research. What would, if the entire body of Christ in the U.S. only, if 75% were actually tithers, what would the number be? that we would generate on an annual basis for the kingdom. I'm talking there's a big C church here. It was $487 billion annually. That's in America, in the church, but that money's going elsewhere. So 487, that's almost a half a trillion dollars to fund the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? So God's model's not, not broken. We need to bring excellence within the church. Do you know that excellence is the greatest witness? Because excellence is attractive. Why people, you know, and I was one of those people. I've been at Highlands for three years, three and a half, my wife and I. It was so excellent that we moved our family. You do that at your 30, that's one thing. But when you 50, 50 is 50. 50 ain't 30. And so we're 50-something years old moving, or I am. She's not. She's still 30. And uh, amen. That's a good recovery, wasn't it? Is So you're in a situation where you're moving into a new place. Why? It's because the place was excellent. There was something that separated it. Go to Chick-fil-A versus Popeye's fried chicken. Popeye's, you're gonna, they're going to just want to beat you. It tastes real good, but it's just kind of like a struggle to order your chicken. Go to Chick-fil-A, you want to tip somebody. Is a spirit of excellence. we got to make sure as the church we're doing that. Your legacy team will not sustain It'll be a cute idea, but it won't be sustainable unless you have excellence in a lot of areas, and we're going to cover that. Amen? Yeah. All right. Let's go through um, getting the spirit of legacy team. Some of you that were in the Grow Financial one day, we're going to cover some of the same information. There's going to be a little bit more twist to it, and if you've got questions at the end, please wait for that. We'll, we definitely want to address that. Okay. In order, you got to get the spirit of this before you start applying uh, practical application. If you as the senior pastor don't get this, don't do it. It's going to have a counterintuitive or a counterproductive outcome. If you're going to want to do this just because you want money and then being able just to say, okay, well, we need these projects funded, so we're just going to go ahead and start doing this, I would wait and not do it because it's going to come across as transactional. What you're really doing is helping someone fulfill the very thing God has created them for. Colossians 1.16, I'm created by God for God. So what's my what for in life? And the business person, the only way a business person is going to fulfill, this is pretty weighty here, the only way the business person is going to fulfill what God created them for is being planted in a local church and being up under the spiritual authority of a pastor. You gotta have a local, you gotta have a local church pastor. I know what it's like to have to, to be out on my own and then to be up under the security and the covering of a pastor. Now, my pastor doesn't give me business advice, but he does provide spiritual covering and he has apostolic direction. Does that make sense? And so my gift comes alongside him. 
He's not up on top of me. I'm not up on top of him. And it's very, very healthy because we both are actually fulfilling our destiny together. So how would I say it? My destiny is intertwined with my pastor. And so the business person has to be able to see that. And you have to see that business person as though my destiny is tied to that individual. Whether I like them or not, I need to start cultivating not only a culture of generosity, but a culture of excellence and giving them a proverbial, proverbial seat at the table. Not a seat at the table like a governing seat, because then you're going to run into all kinds of issues, right? You don't want to give someone with a D, that's a D personality a governing seat like that that hasn't walked with you for many, 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 many years, you want to be able to provide though a lane for them to connect to their purpose through the church. So it plays a critical role, legacy team, in the local church being the hope of the world. I would say it this way, a pastor holds the key that unlocks the door of destiny for business people who are planted in the local church. Not that are just coming to uh, visit. These are people who are planted. We're going to get into the criteria of what makes up a legacy team so that you can get an understanding of that. But pastors, my, my, kind of my spiritual father for many, many years, and he's, he's, he's ill now and he's got dementia, but he was a very successful football coach, Bill McCartney, that's, that founded Promise Keepers. And uh, Coach Mack, he, he said, Lee, he goes, this message of kingdom builders and legacy team, he goes, what God's really doing is God's bringing those two worlds together who normally were competing, but God wants to help them complete each other. There's a completion factor. So something is missing in your life, in your walk, in your ministry, if you don't have this one component. It's not the component, it's just a component. And we should treat it just like any other ministry expression. We should treat it just like, basically, uh, a ministry expression like a worship team. If you start treating them like an elite group of rich people, you're going to become slave to that. And that is unhealthy. And you know what? They're no, they, got, they're, they have a seat at the table. They're not the table. And we keep it very, very healthy that you know what? So-and-so may give a seven-figure gift. And we're like, bless God. That's amazing what we get to do. Isn't it amazing how God's blessed you to be able to be a part of what all God's doing? It's never about that individual. Why is that? Because if I'm going to blow smoke up that individual, I got to keep doing that. So whatever you do to start a relationship, you got to keep doing to keep it. And so that can be dangerous and weighty. No, it's what we get to do together. I say it this way. We have a saying that what I'm a part of is so much bigger than the part I play. So I'm just a piece of it. I'm just a paper plate delivering that bologna sandwich. I'm not the sandwich. I'm just a paper plate. And so we want to create a culture that people have a lane to run in, but their lane is equally as important as the person who's greeting, is equally as important as the worship team, is equally as important as the senior pastor. Because we're all in our lanes and we're all in. So we build a super highway and we can get a whole lot of stuff done. But what happens is, is people have people hitchhiking them out of their lane they're taking an exit they get offended because they're used to controlling they're used to getting their own way well my money should buy me a seat and a parking spot that I want that's a setup and so let that person leave they're not going to help you build the vision they're going to help you create the vision and so it, but you've got to set that groundwork now. And so if you've not done legacy team, let me ask you a question. If you've done legacy team or you've never done it ever before in your church and you don't have a current one today, raise your hand. Okay, great, great. That's going to change today. So it's not about, though, a campaign or an event. It can't be about a campaign or an event. So many people come to me and they say, well, this is, we got a campaign going. Man, praise God for your campaign. At the end of it, tell me how tired you are and the people are wore out. You can do campaigns, but they're seasonal moments to get to an objective. Legacy team is not that. Legacy team is those with the gift of giving that basically are saying, you know what? I want to be in a position that this is how my, I'm leading my life. This is my gift expression. This is what God created me to do. So it's all the time. It doesn't change. It's not based upon 
uh, just a seasonal need. It's forever. So those people have to be communicated differently. Those people have to get information that's a little bit more in-depth. Those people have to be pastored a little bit differently, not in an elite way, but differently. So I have five children. I love all my children the same, but they're all different, and I treat them all differently based upon their talents and their giftings. Does that make sense? And so it's the same thing here. The number one thing that you as a pastor should do is you need to help them understand. This is probably the most important point of all of this. You need them to understand the value of their calling. It is a holy calling just like yours was to plant that church. It's just like yours was to pastor that church. It's a holy calling. And if they can see it as a calling, it changes how they look at things. It changes what they do during the week and how they manage their business. Because now it has a redemptive value that it didn't have before. I'm telling you guys, your business people live in two worlds. They have their Monday through Friday world and then they have their church world. And they'll ebb and flow. And it's not that they're doing anything wrong or in sin. It's just they don't know any better because they don't know their place. So they operate kind of in two different worlds. Well, I've got my hat on that it's going to be church time. So small group's up. I'm going to jump into my small group mode. And then I'm going to be a shark at that table. And he who speaks first loses. But I'm walking out with that deal and I'm going to make some money. I mean, they're seasoned in that environment. You saw how it kind of got a little intense there? That was 30 years of doing that. I'm, I'm delivered, though, from that. But it fires me up because they have to be able to compartmentalize. Well, you know what God wants to do? I really believe what God wants to do is bring those two worlds together. But we've got to help them with that. We've got to give them an environment or what we would call an ecosystem that they can flourish in. Amen? Does this help you? If it doesn't, just shout me down. Pastors and business people speak two different languages. You got to recognize that. A pastor is going to speak one dialect. You're going to speak another. You're not going to know they don't understand because they're not telling you they don't understand. They're just kind of giving that old nod and just kind of walking away. And then they go back to their Monday mode and through Friday. So we've got to communicate in a way that they understand. So Lee, how do you do that? You got to bridge that communication gap. By communicating throughout the year, this is legacy team now, throughout the year, a reporting metrics or reports that show them the tangible difference that's being made. Don't show them the, the oh man, we had the, the, the glory of God filled the temple and it was a cloud in our church and we had a Toronto revival and it was all this. Don't tell them, don't say anything like that. Tell them the actual physical, tangible difference. This many salvations, this many people are in small groups, this many people are uh, getting saved in our outreach in Africa. We're, we've rescued and been a part of organizations that rescued 127 women out of sex trafficking. 20 of those women are now plugged in churches. You see, you see what I'm saying? So it takes, you say, well, that's a lot of work. It's really not. Your missions team and wherever you're giving money to ought to have that information. If they don't have that information, you have a much bigger problem than not having a legacy team. You with me? So we want to be able to capture and aggregate that information and give it to them in a template format. You can go to the grow site. You can email me after whatever. We'll give you these templates and forms and you go make it your own. Go put your own logo on it and just copy the information. Not the statistics. You got your own, right? <laughs> But go ahead and get that so that you can create a reporting mechanism that you can report three and four times a year. Not just an, an annual report's not enough. And let me explain something to you. If I was, had a business deal and we were going to invest together, and I would come to you and say, I'm going to be the manager of all of the company, and you're going to be a silent partner. You need to remain silent, but give me half of the money, and I'm going to put up the other half. I'm going to report to you once a year on how we're doing. You're going to look at me and say, no, nah, I'm not interested in that investment. But that's how we treat our people with providing them with what we think is a huge win is an annual report. Annual report, I don't read them. I want to know, where is that? 
It's like when Nick and Christine Kane talked about 821 and they wanted to start this thing in sex trafficking. And I'm like, Chris, I don't think that really happens too much in Greece. And so I want to go see it. So my wife and I flew over there with them and we saw what was going on on the ground. And then we helped them. So getting a report to a significant giver or someone with the gift of giving that plans out their giving strategy, they got to have data. You with me? So we got to get them, got to have a format that they can have data. You set the table. Pastors have to set the table. Business person can't set their own table. And I shared this with the group uh, of grow pastors on, uh, on Monday, is a pastor sets the table for this to happen, and it's not like an evangelistic event. You're not trying to see how many people you can get saved. You're not trying to bring the gospel, and the more they get saved, the better. What you're trying to do is, is you're trying to set this table and see who's going to, and you invite, and we'll get to that in a second, you'll invite this group, give them a chance to hear the vision and what it's for, have them pray, do you feel you have the gift of giving, and if so, this is a serve team for you, and give them a chance to opt in, and then, but don't worry if somebody is going to show up for a dessert only. Some people want the entree, some want appetizer, some just want coffee, and some want the whole experience. Everyone will be differently. Your job is not to figure that out. Your job is to set the table and allow that meal to happen. Does that make sense? I'm using that as an analogy. Um, but you got you to do this by being intentional, interactional, investment, and integrity. The intentional side is probably the one where we're a little bit uncomfortable. We don't quite know how to do it. All of you that raised your hand, you need to take the next month or two be praying, putting your team together. And I'm going to get into the, some of the details of that. Putting your team together and you need to launch this. If you're a brand new church that is either planting, going to plant, or has been maybe less than a year old, I would wait. I would then, you, you have really no credibility in the community at that point. You with me? And I don't mean to be so harsh, but it's, it's just real. You've got to serve the community. You've got to build. Uh, you, you, actually, you've got so many things probably going on and fires to put out and just the newness of the church and everything else that this would be somewhat of a distraction. Bring, it would be premature. So I'd get yourself two, three years. You can go ahead and start building and praying and putting pieces together, but I would not release anything like that to your team unless you're probably three plus years old. Okay, does that make sense? Um, but being intentional to set the table, being interactional, the pastor champions, but the team has to administrate. So we have at Highlands of a church of 52,000, we only have 650 people on legacy team. To give you some perspective, there's not, what's that, less than 1% or 1%? Something like that, I'll ask my CFO, what is that? Yeah, 1.1%. That's good. I was all over the board. So 1.1% of the entire congregation is a legacy team. Does that make, so there's not going to be uh, that you're trying to grab a big group. Look at it like a worship team. So you may have 30 people that think they can sing. And you figure out quick it's two, right? And so those two and the other 28 can't get in. It's the same thing here. Do you have the gift of giving? So what's the criteria? What's the criteria for, for, uh, for legacy team? You've got to be a member of your church. If it's someone outside, they're just a giver. They're just somebody being generous to your church. You communicate the vision to them, invite them. If they never join your church, they can't be a part of legacy team. They can just be a generous giver that you have a relationship with. And that's cool. Hopefully that they'll move to where they actually get planted in your church. The second step is we want them to complete the growth track. Are y'all all familiar with growth track for the most part? Or do I need to get into that? Do we, you know what growth track is? It's the steps or the pathway of, that we get everyone through um, that's know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Well, that discover purpose piece, we do a spiritual gifts assessment. And if someone self-identifies they've got the gift of giving or generosity, then we'll interview them in step four like we would interview someone wanting to serve in the kids area. We're going to vet them. And we have cards that, we've, that you can have that we've printed up that are interview cards. 
and we'll ask them six questions. And then those questions, those questions are really weighty. They don't seem weighty and they don't seem like they're being vetted, but we're vetting them because we want the right people on the bus in the right seat for them and for us. So when someone says, I have the gift of giving and it's time, that's an outreach expression. That's not a legacy team one. And so it's never a no, we just redirect them to the right area that they're gifted in. Um, the second step would be, okay, growth track, and then we want them to, they be, they're committed to being over and above their tithe giving. So tithe, 10% of the gross income, they're going to return that to the Lord. Anything over and above, if someone gives $2 over their tithe and they feel like they have the gift of giving, they're on legacy team. They can be. It's not just a certain level. We don't believe in levels. I think you get into then the country club membership mentality and all of that. And I think I just, we've stared away from that. Some churches do that and it works for them. We've chosen that if you've got a spiritual gift and you're tithing and giving over and above, that is, if you want to serve on legacy team, you can. Um, also, they desire to use their gifts. They really see giving as an act of worship. They really do. And so we want to make sure that they know the expectations or the criteria. And then we also remind them of that criteria all throughout the year. Why is that? There are certain people on our legacy team that aren't tithing. Now, am I, do I know that? Well, I know what they do for a living. And I'm one of the three people in the whole church that sees giving. So I know that they're not tithing. In their mind, they believe tithing is I'm going to give 2% to, 20, to, to five different organizations in the church being one of those. And that's how a lot of people have a misnomer. So you know what we do? We love them, we encourage them, and we try to pastor them in that area just by com constantly communicating the vision. And what we're seeing is people moving their philanthropic, this is super important, moving their philanthropic giving to our church. Because they see the excellence and now they're getting data and communication points that, hey, I've got a heart for human trafficking. I didn't know we were doing all of this. Why am I doing that? And I'm not hearing from them. I don't know what they're doing. Man, I can do this in and through my church. What did Pastor Chris say? He says, I love this. He says, we don't want people giving to Highlands. We want to give them through Highlands. So we let our legacy team de designate. And you say, oh, boy, that's a dirty word. You just cussed in the church. No, they can designate. Because what it does is you're not seeing those money, those dollars. If, if you don't allow them passion point areas to give to, they're going to give around your church to that and still give you something. And so you're sitting there going, well, they're, they're still giving. No, you know, I can tell you a quick story. And it was one of the lead team art guys. He says, God told me to ask a business person in my church for $5 million. I asked him for a million because I got weak. Three weeks later, the guy gives $25 million to a hospital. And calls the pastor back and says, man, I just did the most amazing thing. We gave $25 million to a hospital. And the pastor's like, man, what, what was that? What it? So your job, again, get the whole vision out to people and let God speak to them. God will speak to a person in a greater way than you can sell them. All right, I'm almost done. We'll get to some questions here. Um, okay, where do you start? I think whether you're an established church doing this or whether you're a new church, and most of you are either new or fairly young churches, I would say this. I would say start with what you have now that's in your hand. In other words, don't try to sit there and say, I've got to achieve certain metrics or marks before I start. I've got to get to 50 people. I've only got 10 now. Start building the foundation for the 10 and launch that and then watch God grow it. Again, our legacy team may not grow for two months at all in 18 campuses, and then all of a sudden there's 18 people, or all of a sudden there's 20, or there's two. We don't get stuck on the number fluctuation. We just keep giving vision, and then we report back to the people that are serving on that team. And we give opportunities through growth track and through invitation. So how do you know who to invite? If I wanted to unpack the legacy vision to start, how do I know who to invite? Where do I draw that line? And when I first got here, I basically looked at the giving list and I drew a line. The existing legacy team had 60 people that hadn't given in one year. Zero. Zip, zip. 
And so when we did the whole legacy, uh, we did a vision dinner, they didn't get invited. Do you know that not one of those people asked why? It takes care of itself is my point. So you sit there and go, well, man, we got to police this. Don't police it. It becomes bondage and, and transactional and you lose the spirit of that. You don't want to police this. You're just going to keep putting out, well, I know that son of a gun just sold his business for $100 million. And he just gave 20 grand. He's not even tithing. Yeah, I could go there. And, and my nature is sometimes maybe to try that, but I'm not going to do that. And so what it is is just to say, wow, man, do you, it's to show them the vision and then give the expectation of what it is to be a part of the team. And let the Holy Spirit speak to them. Um, you got to develop the legacy vision and mission, and that needs to be written down. That's not just in your head and to your team. That needs to be something that becomes kind of like a, it needs to become a charter. It needs to become, this is who we are as a legacy team. You want to identify those core leaders. Who are the people who are with you? Who are the people that you know are really committed, that are successful business people? They manage their marriages well. They manage their finances well. They can't just be a wealthy dude that's wife hates them because he's always gone and his kids don't want anything to do with him. And he's your biggest giver. He's not legacy team leader. He's legacy team attender. And hopefully you can pastor him and he grows and God deals with him. You with me? So many times we put the wrong person in that seat because of the dollars that they can give. And that's a big mistake. It's got to have character and competence, both. So you want to identify those leaders, gather them. You can take your giving list. This is just a practical step. Take your giving list over the last two years, not the last year, because you want to take some kind of one-time giving or events, take two years worth of giving, get that list, and then take your median income, which you can find median income in Google. You can find it from your chamber of commerce, of your area. But say median income, let's say your median income is $100,000 or $80,000, household income. Take that times 20%. That number's then 96000 Take that number and then times 10%. Is $9,600. Everyone who's given $9,600 and more, invite them. That's going to be your first initial part. Now, you got to look at the list and say, who really needs to be in that room? And for the first one, go a little deeper. And you may invite more people. Maybe they're on fixed income and their life's changed because they retired. They're only making $50,000 a year. They're still giving and tithing over and above, but it's not what they used to when they were working. That's fine. You've got to be able to to examine and research those kind of things. But on the first one you do, get more people in the room to unpack what legacy team is. You can do it over breakfast. You can do it at a dinner. But get them all together, and the senior pastor says something like this. Hey, guys, you know, God's really shown me that there are many spiritual gifts, but one of them is generosity, and that's something that we don't really even have a place for people to serve on. And so I wanted to give everyone the opportunity to hear about a new initiative that we're doing. And oh, by the way, we're not asking you for anything. The only thing we want from you, and really my job as pastor is to help you fulfill what God has called and created you for. So he said, I want to go ahead and uh, tell you about something we're going to call Legacy Team. And you start going through the vision, start going through the points, start going through the lanes. We call them Legacy Lanes. And why we call them Lanes is Lane gives clarity to specific areas, and there's only five, you'll never need six. It's projects. It's next generation. It's local, national, and global outreach. And by the way, if you want, you can, I'm going to make sure ARC has this and that you can have it, this presentation. But you got to treat these people as a partner, an owner. And when you communicate to them, they're going to see what I call the EROI, the eternal return on investment. But these lanes are the vision of your church, projects, brick and mortar, campuses, all the different things that you need to, um, uh, for campus expansion. It's, it's, the, it's buildings, renovations. Next generation is your college or your high school. And then the local, national, global, and why it's broken up in three different areas is some people could care less about international but love local some love local 
and want international. Some want the, the U.S. Somebody, someone loves church planning, so they want to support ARC or, or something of that nature. So you lay it out there in the five areas, and each one of the areas is a lane. And those lanes all have reports. Each one of those lanes has a specific report. In those reports, is this helpful? I know we're getting in the weeds a little bit, but okay. So you want to create the legacy lanes, which is your vision. You don't put anything on this report. You don't want to get funded. So you control what goes on the report because you control the vision. The business person doesn't add stuff to this report. They don't control that. They just see what you're doing and then what you could do. How fast do we do that? Because they set the speed or the pace. So the reports are what? They're an information tool and a retention tool. They provide those two things. They keep people connected because that business person's on an airplane. They're traveling in a business meeting at a hotel. They're, they're, uh, they're at their office. They get an email. That has, it has the reports in there, and then they can read them at their leisure. And we're able to see. We're able to see. Somebody's having fun. What's that? I'm like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or maybe it's over. So <laughs> that's funny. That is funny. Is y'all better not leave like that. So information, it's an information tool, retention tool, keeping them connected to it at the speed of their world, not the demands of church. Come in and do this. Come here and do this. Affirm them and give them a hall pass and say, go kick tail for the kingdom. I got you covered. I'm praying for you. What you're doing is vastly important Monday through Friday because you're putting the fuel in the engine so we can do all of this. Your value is important. And then establish a prayer team that you pray for your legacy team by name every day. We have eight people at Highlands that pray for legacy team by name every day, covering them. Lord, I pray over Lee and Laura. I pray over their marriages, over their children. Bless their business. Keep them safe, God. I mean, they're covering and interceding for the people that are the ones that are setting the pace of the vision of our church. Super important. Okay, in the reports, and man, we, I got I to gotta hurry up. In the reports, it's uh, these six areas. Let me touch on them real quick. You got new vision. So what is that? New vision is potential campuses, things you're dreaming about, a dream center truck. Um, whatever you're, is in vision, if you had the money and the people to do it, you'd pull the trigger. That's new vision and put the cost of it. What it's going to accomplish and the cost. And don't get cheap. Don't sit there and try to, oh, well, I'm only going to share with them this. You're going to have that moment where they go give $25 million somewhere else that had, had the vision and didn't try to compress the vision. Don't try to predetermine what someone's giving capacity is. If Fred Walton came up in that black and, or the red and white F-250 Ford pickup truck and drove up to your church, you're thinking, who is this old dude in that old beat-up truck, Right? You never don't try to pre-qualify people. You just try to help them fulfill what God's called them and created them for. And God will bring the resources and everything else. So communicate the full vision. Next is progress reports. This is important because it used to be new vision. Now's in play. So you're giving them an update on what's going on. And see, when you set these reports in place, it creates a discipline on you and your team. Now they have to go out every three or four months. So then there's a discipline to gather that information. And the person who's responsible for that is already their role. So local, national, and global, that's your missions pastor. Who's your CFO or your CFNO? They're basically new vision, right? And they're doing projects. But progress reports, they give an update. Connection opportunities, that's mission trips to go and see, touch, taste, feel what's happening and what they're supporting. The other community could be uh, go do an outreach. It could be come and do a site visit with us when we go. Actually, the national lane could be attend an art conference with me. Pastor Dino's greatest gift to me was allowing me access in his world. I didn't know God was teeing all of this up for what we're doing today. But it was he allowed me. He said, hey, come with me. What do you mean come with me? Yeah, I'm going to this pastor thing. And I was the only business guy in the room. The only one. And they would sit there and go, how did you get him to come with you? And it was profound. He simply just asked. <laughs> so the fourth thing is vision gap. And vision gap is here's what we're doing as a church, 
But here's what we could do. You decide if we do any of that and how fast we go. So then it places a responsibility of partnership. My role is vision. Your role is provision. Y'all decide if we do it and how fast we do it. Next is wins. That's where you get metrics focused on telling the story of lives and, and uh, numerical data of impact. You want to tell it on the wins. And then lastly is prayer. Prayer is simply, we're a pray first church. We cover our lanes and we cover what's going on in that lane. And we want people not only to know that they're prayed for, we want them to also initiate and also be prayerful over what the vision is for our church. So you got to cast the vision to your team. They got to get it first. You got to identify a leader and that legacy leader would be a business person. Do not place someone in full-time ministry that has never had business experience at a very high level dealing with millions of dollars as your legacy pastor. You want to make sure it's somebody that's got some juice that can walk in the room and it's going to get immediate respect when they open up their mouth. And then basically, because why? That's going to be their peer. So don't just put someone you can control. Don't put someone that's submit, submissive. They need to be, have a submitted heart, but they need to be a leader. And they need to have your back. You're going to have to pray that one in, by the way. Because that, that, that is a, it, but God's raising more and more of those up. Um, let's see here. Have a gathering. When you have the gathering and you unpack vision at, and you go through the lanes and how you're going to communicate what you're going to give them, you got to make sure this one thing happens. Give them a chance to opt in. Don't force this down their throat. Create a little card that says, hey, if you would, and hear, hear my language. If you would like to get this information on really the inside workings of our church, please fill out the card and we'll make sure we have the right email address to get you this. Because we would love to have you be a part of Legacy Team. This is what we're going to give you, not what we're asking of you. Okay? Did you? I was very careful in how I worded that. And then... Um, I'm not going to get into legacy 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, but it has to do with small groups and curriculum and missions trips and ca more campus gatherings for other campuses. There's many more stages of this. I would say get your people together, invite them, cast vision, ask them to be a part of the team, and then build your reports out and start reporting to them for a whole year, and that's all you do. You know this is working when it's low maintenance, high impact. When it's high maintenance, it's not working. It'll wear everybody out. So this is not something that you got to, they're busy. So just touch them every quarter with information. Let God deal with them. Let God speak to them. Maybe have an event once a year. Maybe have a lunch with four couples or five couples uh, eight or nine times of different people where you're just loving on them and it's all community and they're able to connect with you. Do you realize that they want to know you? They want to connect with you. I've got some dear friends of mine here today that, that uh, my business partner, Chris Herndon, and then y'all didn't realize that we had Richard Dreyfus in here. Yeah, any of y'all know the actor Richard Dreyfus? Right here. Richard, it's good to see you. <laughs> That's my, what a great friend I've known since 1987, Wayne Murray. And so both successful business guys, but they're hungry, searching for more. They've given their time to come here because they're learning. They're wanting to see what this is all about. And so God is really speaking to the hearts of business people to do that, but it's inviting them. That's a community moment. That's a connection opportunity for them to get out of their church and come to something that was reserved only for pastors, but to really see how God, how, what God's doing in and through this. Make sense? Amen? All right, questions. Anybody have any questions? Yes, sir. So New Church, building relationships with business people, very wealthy area, a lot of them coming to the church. Uh, you, you pressed on their time. When, when, when you're building the relationships, working the discipling things, how would you just hit on, before you have the full legacy team, when you're just kind of developing those people, seeing, okay, I think the potential is there, um, at their pace of life, just recognizing, um, I mean, it took me four months to get to play golf with a big business leader. I was pumped when I finally got the invite, but just thoughts on how do you, 
honor their time, but still yeah. make those deposits. Yeah, I would never ask, like in your sin, how old of a church? Uh, 13 weeks. Okay, I would never ask any of them for anything. Yeah. I would sit there and just continue to build relationships with them and get to know them, get to know their family, pray for their kids, get an understanding and build that relationship. What's going to happen out of that is you're never going to have to ask them for anything. They're after, out of relationship, they're going to want to say, what is it that I can do? Because they're doers. They do want to do something, but they're reluctant to do anything until they get to really know you. So they want to see the fruit in your life. Fruit doesn't speak. It's on a tree, and it's either healthy or not. And so they want to watch that for a while and see if fruit, if that's good fruit, well, I want to get some more of that. And every gift that they give you of a high-capacity person is a test. It's not. It is the seed, not the. It's not. We think it's the harvest. It's not. I don't want to get all old charismatic, but it's because yeah. it, I don't like that. But is it's it basically is only part of what they could do, yeah. but they're wanting to see how you're going to fare with it. Yeah. And so make sure that as you're developing those relationships, then what could happen is maybe you lead a small group of about five of those yeah. guys yeah, so and you start pouring into them. And then that small group develops a little bit larger. And then maybe you deputize a couple of them that they're really got your heart and the vision of the church, and then you, you let them lead a small group. And then out of that, in 12 months, you'll have your legacy team built and then launch it. So good. Thank you. Thanks for the book, too. Oh, you're welcome. So I'm, I'm, uh, I feel like I'm retracting. I've been doing a CEO dinner for the past two years. Um, the church that I have is in an environment that is, as far as the... Uh, the socioeconomic, it's, it's high. I've got a lot of uh, wealthy people. Um, and what I'm trying to figure out is I've got this CEO blend in probably about 30 of them who we meet on a quarterly basis. And I'm trying to figure out how do I actually back out of some of these things and now create a, um, a circle of people that would be a legacy team. Seven of these 30 or so leaders are a part of my church. But um, I'm just trying to figure out how I can actually pair this back and get the the buy-in and the Okay, so uh, make sure I understand. You've launched something that's kind of like that, but basically you got the wrong people in it, and so you want to really do a version of it that's differently to get a segment of those folks in this that really should probably be in this. Yes. Okay, so um, I, I've, I've worked with churches that let's say they did a, they've had for 20 years a kingdom builders type initiative. And what happens is where we make the mistake is we think more people in the room is always better. So what we do is we dilute access because we say, oh, well, let's get, man, I want to fill the room. Fill the room. Come on. Are you telling your, your, your team, let's fill the room. And we fill the room. And then what we do is we bring the level down. It's kind of like um, we bring the level down and we start allowing people in there just because we want to fill the room or we want a bigger team rather than the right people on that. So if you've already done it and to change it, I think what you can do and what we did for this, they had kingdom builders. We created a legacy team and we were real clear with what the expectations are. So that criteria is what has to separate the old from the new. And anyone wanting to join and be a part of the new criteria understands I got to step up into this thing because I can't just be sucking up the great food and fellowship and I'm not really fulfilling what the expectation of that team is. So, give you an example. Worship team. If they don't show up for practice, they kicked off the worship team. Right? Right. And so it don't matter who they are. If they're not going to be a part, because why? It's because it infects the rest of the team. And it's not the right spirit. So make sure when you start this as a, let's say, legacy team or whatever you're going to name it. We're, let, we're legacy church. Okay. So this will be easy then. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool, man. You're way ahead of the game. Is, but I would go ahead and, and set the criteria and say, this is not the Navy. This is the SEALs of the Navy. This is not the Marine Corps. This is Force Recon of the Marine Corps. So this is your special forces group of the military that you're creating. Awesome. Does that help? Yeah, it does. That, that, that's great. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. Um, hey. I hear everything that you're saying, and it's kind of a little bit more difficult for me to receive it, being a, a young planter as myself. 
I wanted to know, in your opinion, um, how would you apply this to a young, because, you know, people ch planning churches younger and younger these days, you know. Um, so, such as myself, I'm 29 years old. I know a lot of business people, but they're young as well. Like, yep. how, how does the same concept still apply in it's the great. same way or? Yeah, great, great, great question. And the answer is yes, the principles are not based upon the size of the giver or the size of the church. The principles work with a church of 50 people and could be all young in their 20s, in their 30s. Because really, being a part of legacy and where most people get a wrong context is they think it's all just a bunch of older, rich people. That is not what this is. A lot of people take that route and it's a mistake. Because who's going to be the next Bill Gates that's when they're 20 years old? God gets a hold of with an idea or has a gift of giving. If you have the gift of giving, you have the gift of succeeding. You have the gift of capital generation, as this brother said. So you want to cultivate that environment of that no matter what. So your legacy team would look something like this. If someone is making $20,000 a year and they're tithing $2,000 to the church, but yet they're giving a $500 annual gift at your legacy offering, that is legacy team. So don't get in the trap of saying, well, I haven't arrived to a place where I can start legacy team. That's a, that's a lie, man, from the enemy. I would, I would tell you, it's to keep you in the same place. He's like, well, I'm not there yet. We're not there yet. If you have business people in your church, there are business people, and it may be three. It may be 10, and they may all be under 30, but they're there. And if you had someone with a worship gift, you would cultivate that. If you had someone with an administrative gift, they may be your personal assistant. You would cultivate that. It's the same thing here. So go ahead and set the table, irregardless of their age, irregardless of their, their balance sheet or their income, irregardless. But if they are tithers and want to be over and above, which is an offering, then they would qualify for legacy. Does that help? Yes, sir. Yes. Mm -mm. No, over and above, they can designate. So the tithe, and then what happens is, is then you've actually can, you freed up budgetary dollars. So for example, if someone gave a $100,000 gift to missions, and my budget for missions that I had allocated was 100000 then my budget for missions has been funded. I can actually move and pay down debt $100,000. Does that make sense? Lee? Yes, you, sir. You talked about designated giving in the very beginning, and then you kind of backed away from it really quick. Could you tunnel down a little bit? How does that happen? Yeah, do it's people, great. How, how do they give toward this? Yeah, so the Lane reports give all the information, which there's examples of that we can get you. The Lane reports have the information. Remember I said don't put it on the report unless you want it funded. So if somebody's putting my, funding my vision that I'm controlling, hey, hallelujah, I'm not going to complain about that. And so, but if someone on legacy team only are the only people that can designate. So we don't, no one else gets those reports. Why? Because no one would get the worship song set the day of, I mean, do we send that to the congregation? No, we send it to the people who are actually going to need that, and they're actually in that area. So legacy team get the reports. The reports then dictate if they see something, for example, the first time I sent the reports out, a business guy calls me and says, I want to meet with you today. And I was new here. It's the first time we sent the reports out. And I'm like, oh, Lord, he's just going to take me to task. So I get there. He's got the stack of papers on his, uh, at the dinner table. And then he looks at me and he says, this is awesome. I've never been able to get this from organizations. I, fund, I give millions of dollars a year away. Never been able to get this from people. This is awesome. I support 37 organizations. I'm moving all my philanthropic giving to Highlands. And I'm like, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'll go to lunch with you every day. And then he says, I'm going to give here, 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 here. Here's a check. Knock all that out. And I'm like, okay, wow. But this is what he said. He said, and he's crying at this point. He says, you're speaking my language. Keep speaking it and I'll help fund it. Okay. So the designated allow them to, if not, if you don't have, where you're feeding people and he's, he's passionate about feeding the poor or education or whatever it is, they're going to give it outside of the church to something else and you don't see it. So we want to create a behavior and a commitment that we're in this together. 
So let's give through the church. And, and so designation is not something we're afraid of. Yes, and then that email comes to me. And then Nicole on my team, it's Nicole, wave Nicole, she's amazing. Highlands College graduate and came out, graduated from Highlands College and uh, she is my legacy administrative coordinator and we are, we manage the whole legacy team for Highlands. That's it, that's our whole team. She's really good, by the way. But then we'll get an email that says, hey, I wanna give to this, make sure it gets there. Got it, Bob. Got it, Susan. No problem. We'll allocate it. I get with finance. Hey, this is coming. Allocate it there. It's as simple as that. That's part of my job and her job. She does a better job. Yes. Um, so I'm the executive pastor at our church, and um, I've got a background in nonprofit development and a business background, but my, our lead pastors asked me to kind of oversee, get started, our legacy team, what is his, what's his role need to be? What do I need to ask, ask of him uh, to, to Your lead help? pastor. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Seek God for vision, number one. Well, you may not be able to just like tell him that, but you can say, hey, the guy at Highland said that he, they need to, that Pastor Chris seeks God for vision. Kind of word it like that. But, <laughs> or you may be, yeah. But I, I would probably do that. And then his job is you bring him in. He's your franchise player. You bring him in and you create impactful moments. So it could be lunches that you invite six couples that you get that are great chemistry in the room and you have that moment where he facilitates and you bring them to those two worlds together. He actually, so Pastor Chris handles the vision dinner, which we do annually every April. We also, which is heavy content. It's his state of the union address. Then in December, it's, it's the legacy Christmas party. No program, just community. And it's Pastor Chris talking to people, it's fellowship, it's loving on people, and both of these are five-star. Remember, it doesn't have to be extravagant to be excellent. So it, we make everything excellent, but we don't make it extravagant because uh, we want to steward it well. The reports handle the communication, but if you'll notice, he, he is, Pastor Chris is leading those two gatherings and then the lunches. And if I need him, he is say, you put me wherever you need me to go. And so, but I think for your church, probably the first year or two is just do the lunches and do a couple events where you're gathering them together. At our campus gatherings, Pastor Chris doesn't do those. I do those. And so why is because it's a real gathering, but it's a way we can scale as you do multi-site. As you do multi-campuses, you'll need lay leaders that are legacy business people that are leading that campus area to do the step four interview. You with me and what that means? And so there's a little bit more to that, but I would only bring him in at that. We've got one more question. Anybody? You got down here? I'm not going to. Y'all choose. Yeah, we're uh, in Seattle, Washington, um, 10 weeks old. Uh, wow. Life-giving, it's good, it's healthy, we're 70 people growing. It's awesome. Um, average household income in our, our community of the church is probably around 150000 a year. Uh, no one's struggling in that sense. Um, but that idea of giving philanthropic, philanthropically versus tithing and giving it to the church, yep. that's a culture shift that we, we definitely need to make. Um, and it's going to take years, okay. by the way. Yeah. How would you recommend, I mean, I trust the process, love what you're teaching, especially so thankful um, on the giving it a couple years before you even think about legacy team and all that. Would you just say for the, the lunches and those, those coffees and those meetings to just use that opportunity to dig into where people are at with their giving strategies? Yeah, build, and build relationally. And if once you build a relationship, they're going to ask you, Tell me something more. They're going to ask you a question. They're going to open the door of what can I do to help? Where can I be? Where's my talents and my giftings used? And let them know, hey, I just want you to know I don't want anything from you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your marriage. I'm praying for your family. I'm praying for your business. When you hear somebody's had a business win or they're opening up a business, text them and say, hey, brother, would you like for me to come pray and anoint your business? I mean, go old school on them. I mean, I, my pastors come, they're putting oil all over the place. 
you know, because they knew what was coming. They're like, no, 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 this is important. They're, the windows, the telephones. I had one, one pastor, he's laying hands on the phone, incoming, outgoing traffic in Jesus' name, anointing it. took me a week to get the oil off the handle. And I mean, it's, it's that, but it's important, right? And it's the two working hand in hand. But wait for them to ask you what they, you know, to open that door. And then once you have a history of making a difference, that changes everything. Because then you have a story of historical impact. You're no longer a projection. You're historical impact. Does that, does that make sense? And people will bet on that. They'll want to invest in that. And again, that first investment's always going to be a small scale of what they could do. Which means there could be more coming and greater partnership if we do well with it. Has this been helpful? You mind if I... Thank you. You guys, you guys can leave. You guys can leave. Let's, let, let's pray. Let's pray real quick, if you don't mind. Father God, I just thank you for these amazing uh, men and women. I thank you for the privilege it is, God, just to be here and uh, sharing with them, Lord. And so, Father, as it relates to Legacy Team, God, I pray, God, that you would stir up in every pastor's heart the desire to reach their business people like never before. Not that they're just a source as a resource, but, Father, that there's a responsibility, God, to help them fulfill what you've created them for. And so, God, I pray a blessing over every church, over every marriage, over their kids, Lord. I just thank you. Give them safe travel, and I pray that their time that's invested will just be so fruitful that we'll look back on years to come, that, God, that you did a special thing, God, that, uh, Father, through Legacy Team, We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.